Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 236, covering Caretaker. Yes. Just watch Voyager and you still have enough applause left in you. That is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Applaud us. We're back. We are. We're back. We were here from five minutes ago. Uh, hi, friends. It's us. We are here to discuss what, what did we that. just... Yeah, that mess. That was... Some of you I am just seeing now for the first time. I noticed you skipped out on the 90-minute uh, six hours that we just spent. So we do not blame you. Good on you. We wish we could have. If you've heard the song, uh, I take it back. <laughs> I'm no longer keeping an open mind. I have made up my mind about Voyager. It's not very good. It's, it's got to get better, right? Okay, come here and defend it right now. What was good about what we just saw, Nate? Uh-huh. It's got to, right? Like, Oh, well then. Oh, yeah, you just got to sit through 70 right. episodes, and then it gets good, so... <laughs> well, we should probably tell the listeners uh, what we just saw, since... Uh, not everyone had to endure that twice. Yeah, so we just watched Star Trek Voyager Episode 1, Caretaker. It was really bad. <laughs> it was mostly just boring. It was so boring. Just long. Uh, now I'll stand here and stare at you for like five minutes. <laughs> she said that, too. Yeah, I'm going to stare at you. <laughs> um, Let so... me explore your facial crevasses, Chakotay. That's a that's a that's a tattoo, Matt. I know it might fool you into thinking. It's I thought like there a... was a bird perched on his face. <laughs> so racist. So for those of you who don't know, this is our fifth anniversary. We've been doing mm. this for five years. We have now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have now covered sixty percent of Star Trek at this point. The original series, the animated series. Believe it or not, mm. even though most people think it doesn't count, we did it. Yep. Movies, all the movies, including the new ones, uh, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, and now we're up to this. This is what they call the dregs. <laughs> oh, no, we got Enterprise after this, Matt, so. <laughs> you know what? There's no song about Enterprise. Uh. <laughs> Keeping uh, a closed mind. <laughs> and for those of you who wonder why the hell this show is called The Post-Atomic Horror, it is a fairly obscure reference to a Next Gen episode, but let me show you something. There is an Enterprise hidden in our logo. <laughs> we thought about changing the name, and then our, our design friend, Vishal, who made the logo, hid a little Enterprise. And, no, we gotta, we got to keep that. Yeah. That is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Possibly so. when we stop doing Star Trek altogether. So we drive people away because... Uh, post-atomic... What is it? Is it a horror show? Is it some kind of post-apocalypse? No, no, no. It's no. just got an Enterprise we in it. We just <laughs> spent, what, like three hours one afternoon going through every name on Memory Alpha. Oh, that was a fun Skype call, yeah. yeah. Hey, why don't we call it Groppler Zorn? <laughs> um, don't what else? Tape. I had a couple of notes here, just a couple of ground things I wanted to explain. You, you don't have to have ever heard the show before, I think, to follow what we're doing. We're, yeah. we're making this kind of a, a good jumping on point kind of thing. Uh, I did really quick want to mention uh, the Maquis, who are featured heavily in this episode, the Mullity Rebels, oh, as I call God. them. We don't like those guys. That's going to come up. Uh, the other thing is, for some reason, Matt feels... Like, when you're on a starship, you are upstairs. When you beam down to a planet, you are downstairs. There's a logic there, and I don't have time to explain it. Fair enough. 
I, I think that's the entire answer key. Yeah. I think with that, that we can now catch you up. Yeah, more or less. Previously on the post atomic order. And now the continuation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, not the conclusion? <laughs> All right, so let's begin summarizing. All right. Let's do this. Keeping an open mind. Ah, the Marquis in the Badlands. How much time is left in this episode? 90 minutes! Is it too late to start that Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. podcast instead? <sighs> All right, Al. This is what you signed up for. You can do this. Deep breaths. So, our story opens in a very familiar way. An opening text crawl, a tiny ship being pursued by a much larger ship. Plucky rebels fighting the evil establishment, which is the Federation of Kirk and Picard and Cisco. All right. Let's meet our ragtag band of rebels. Belana Torres, a half-Klingon engineer with several chips on her shoulder. Tuvok, a Vulcan who makes us realize we've never seen a black Vulcan on Star Trek till now, which kind of makes the previous 30 years of Trek stories retroactively racist. And Chakotay, a guy who got his face painted at the county fair and liked it so much that he never washed his face again. <laughs> They're being pursued through the Badlands by Gull Evek, who's one of those recurring characters you don't realize is a recurring character till you read the Star Trek wiki Memory Alpha, www.memory-alpha.org, and then you feel like a bad Trek fan for not realizing it. Then the Maquis ship disappears, so uh, hey, this isn't so bad. <clears throat> Next we cut to one of the famous Federation prisons on Earth. I'm not going to lie, this place is pretty fucking swank. <laughs> let you wander around, look at trees all day. Find me a modern prison that lets, that, that lets you look at trees. Anyway, we're introduced to Tom Paris, a loose cannon who doesn't play by Starfleet's rules and accidentally got some people killed and then became a mercenary for hire and now he's in jail for a crime that he did commit. <laughs> he's met by Captain Catherine Hepburn, I mean Janeway, excuse me, who wants him to join her crew on a mission to track down the missing Maquis ship from earlier. He agrees because he is tired of looking at prison trees, and everyone heads over to Deep Space Nine for a farewell from Quark. Wait! Quark! It's not too late to come with us! We could use an actual scoundrel on this mission! For the love of God, please, come with us! No? Alright. At Quark's, we meet Harry Kim, a fresh-faced, fresh-out-of-the-academy, fresh... prince. <laughs> He's a bit naive and he has cute floppy 90s hair Which I'm pretty sure is the only reason that so many people have such fond memories of him Kim and Paris somehow become best friends Despite any on-screen evidence to support this But they insist on constantly saying We're best friends out loud And while I would prefer to actually watch that relationship unfold Naturally, I suppose I have no specific uh, objections to friendship in general You know what they say, Matt Tell, don't show Uh-huh so Voyager heads out, and most of Act 2 sees Tom Paris locked in a life-or-death struggle with the replicator over a bowl of soup. <laughs> How do you have so many choices? He screams angrily at the slot in the wall that magically provides him with food. Our audience POV character, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> then the ship crashes into those stupid CGI fire pillars in the Badlands that everyone seems to think are so cool because they've been in three different Star Trek series, and they lose a bunch of officers in the process. Then they're thrown 70,000 light years across the galaxy into the mysterious Delta Quadrant, and a premise for a series is born. <laughs> so Paris and Kim head down to Sick Bay because that's what total BFFs do, I guess. And upon realizing that the ship's doctor is dead, they activate the emergency medical hologram. The EMH, who will apparently not have a name for like five seasons, is a self aware hologram. Less sinister than Moriarty, and less insidious than Vic Fontaine, but no less self aware. <laughs> Also, he instantly hates Tom Paris, so we instantly like him. 
Then the crew, except for the EMH, who wasn't actually a real person, sadly, is whisked away to a quaint southern town on Earth, because apparently you can't travel 70,000 light years without going back to Earth somehow. Everyone finds themselves on a sprawling farm in the south, where Ma and Pa Kent wave corn at people, and then a hoedown begins. Just what my science fiction needed. A hoedown. Luckily, like Ryan Stiles, Captain Janeway is no fan of hoedowns, so she tells the gang to split up and search for clues. Shaggy and Scooby, I mean Tom and Harry, they lost Dick somewhere along the way, search the barn and the comely lass guarding it. And then Ma Kent and an army of Frankenstein villagers arrive and tell them that they're being kicked out of paradise. I wouldn't describe a hoedown as paradise, but I also don't like corn as much as these people do, so what do I know? Then, because it's the 90s, everyone is abducted and probed in a creepy dark room. <laughs> Eventually, they're sent back, all except for Harry Kim. Naturally, his very best pal in all the galaxy, Tom Paris, is furious about this. I remind you that they've known each other for less than a week at this point. Voyager finds the Maquis ship they've been looking for, captained by Chakotay and his face tattoo. We'll never get a job in retail with that Chakotay. <laughs> Janeway asks the Maquis if they're also missing anyone's best friend. <laughs> Chakotay instantly agrees that they should all team up for some reason, and that's pretty much the end of that issue. Oh, and Tuvok was apparently a narc. Sorry, Chakotay, turns out Vulcans can lie. Meanwhile, Harry Kim and Bellana Taurus are still in a lab, living on an X-Files episode. Janeway determines by using her insightful, look at where the giant energy pulses are being fired towards strategy, that they should visit one of the planets in the star system they're in. Along the way, they meet Neelix, some kind of wacky space hipster with crazy facial hair and nutty retro suits. And he agrees to help them on, on the planet in exchange for some water. Which is a commodity on this wasteland of a planet where a filthy, aggressive race antagonizes more civilized people who live underground. Hark to the most original science fiction tale in history! <laughs> Meanwhile, Harry regains consciousness in a hospital next to Bellana. Then Bellana freaks out because of her Klingon half? Listen, Bell. Bell? Did you write this? Yeah. You're already giving him nicknames, huh? I don't have time to say Bellana or Balana, as she was apparently saying it in this episode. <laughs> Worf was a full Klingon who was mad all the time. Not just because of being captured, but because of his many failings. But he never attacked a door. Well, except maybe in first season TNG. Harry and Bellana are covered in sores and being doctored by attractive people with vulva-shaped ears called the Ocampa. Back on Voyager, most of the main characters beam downstairs to Dune. Arrakis, Desert World, a planet without water or rain or sandworms, so there really are no benefits to living here. <laughs> they meet with the Oompa Loompas, a race who live on the planet's surface and are somehow not dead, despite the fact that there is literally no water anywhere on this planet. The crew is immediately captured, but Janeway beams down a bunch of water for them. Do not, my friends, become addicted to water, she tells the Oompa Loompas. It will take hold of you and you will resent its absence. <laughs> That must be like a Mad Max. It's a Mad Max yeah. reference, yeah. You really should see it. It's quite good. I really should let you stop writing my jokes, because yeah. I don't get the references myself. <laughs> then Neelix shoots the tanks, and we meet the real reason he came here, to rescue Kess, who was a little elf person with a life expectancy of nine years and terrible taste in boyfriends. She's dating Neelix, you see. Suddenly, the caretaker's array fires some beams and seals up the conduits leading down to the Ocampa's mall fortress. Tuvok figures out that Pa Kent is dying. So, our primary antagonist in all of this was an old man with a banjo. No, seriously, he's the caretaker of the episode title, and also the guy who facilitated the entire premise of the series. Who says Star Trek doesn't have great villains? He, he's provided the Ocampa with enough power to live for five years and then seals them off. Luckily, Bellana and Kim escape 
somehow, and everyone returns to Voyager. Janeway takes the ship back to the array, hoping to convince Pa Kent to send the Vo- to send Voyager home. Instead, Pa plucks his banjo and explains how he and some other hoedown enthusiasts arrived at the planet many years ago and destroyed all the water. They left behind Pa and a female, but then she got bored and fucked off. <laughs> so now he's dying, and soon the Ocampo will die too, probably from being murdered to death by Oompa Loompas. Speaking of Oompa Loompas, they're attacking Voyager. Yes, they have spaceships, and they still live on Dune instead of going out and finding some fucking water. You know you guys live in Star Trek, right? Paradise planets are a dime a dozen, even though there's no such thing as dimes anymore. Back on the array, Pa Kent turns into his final form, a giant Metroid, and then dies. (coughs) Janeway realizes she can either use the array to send Voyager home, or destroy it so the Oompa Loompas can't get it, and use it to kill the Ocampus. It's a tough choice, and she makes the wrong one, destroying the array. Some more action-adventure happens, and then the crew, which is a whole crew comprised comprised of Starfleet and Maquis, who just agree to put on Starfleet uniforms and take orders, start their long journey home. I'm unfortunately reminded of the plot of every episode of Gilligan's Island for some reason. Uh, So how much time is left in this series? Uh, 167 episodes. Yeah. So that sucked, huh? There's a thing that we, we ran into a little bit of technical difficulties here at the venue where uh, every now and then the little counter would pop up and we'd see how much time was left. And I heard several groans in the audience. It was not just us. Yeah. Maybe some of you liked it, but many of us were like, oh, man. 22 minutes. That's the thing. Anyone who's listened to this show before, when we hit a bad episode of Next Gen, DS9, whatever, it's always that 22-minute mark. Yep. It's always the how much how time is left. How is this still happening to me? How is this only half over? Only with this, it was a 90-minute pilot. And the first time, no kidding, the first time I checked, there were 75 minutes Oh, left. my God. <laughs> this I, is rough. Like, for the first episode of a series, like, this is our big introduction to Voyager. Yeah. And it is boring. That's the thing. If it was bad... We do a comedy show. It would yeah. be fun to make fun of the bad thing, but boring is hard to make jokes about. Yeah, it's oh god. Just let's start with the marquee, the coolest thing ever, <sighs> and then we'll add in a lot of long scenes of talking about stuff. Just so much exposition. Just oh man. So I got kicked out of the academy. And you don't want to be friends with me. I'm a loose cannon. <sighs> I play very, by my own rules. Various people on the show will tell you about that. Come on, Ensign Meow Meow Fuzzy Face. Let's go. <laughs> So the basic format of the show, for those of you who don't know, we force ourselves every episode each to name a good thing and a bad thing about the episodes. Yep. And that is to challenge us for a show like DS9 that we blindly adore to think of critical things. Mm -hmm. And that is also to challenge us to think of good things in this. Yes. So, Matt, let's start with you. What do you got Quark. for a good no. thing? <laughs> it would have it would have been a re- it would have been really easy to just take uh, DS9's brief appearance as my good thing, but um, I actually I like Tuvok quite a bit. I think he's really good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his instant a- exasperation with Neelix. Um, this is the first time we've had a Vulcan regular on the show since original series. Yeah. So you know, giving him that sort of like sarcasm. Maybe differs him from Spock a little bit without making He's him the exact same character. Definitely got a worse antagonist, whereas Bones was kind of his friend and kind of just needling him. He just hates Neelix. Yeah, he wants to throw Neelix on an airline. What about what about that, Spock? Huh? Huh? Not pissing you <laughs> off? As opposed to Mr. Oh. Vulcan, my best friend. <laughs> oh, I made you a new hat. You can wear that every day. <laughs> 
The thing is, Neelix, like, people who have seen the entire show have told us this is one of the worst characters, and he is kind of, like, irritating he's, comic relief. He's very com Like, when he shows up, the second he shows up, it's like, oh, the comic relief is here. Thank God. But there's two kinds of comic relief. There's the doctor, mm -hmm. who is kind of sarcastic and rolls his eyes as everyone and kind of is our audience identification character with like, oh, God, I'm stuck with you guys. <sighs> and then there's Neelix, who's wacky. Mm -hmm. But he's not terrible in this one. Well, that's the thing is he's internally irritating. Mm -hmm. He irritates the people in the show. But as a viewer, I'm not yeah. irritated by him yet. It's fun to watch other people react to him. I do like when Janeway calls him and he's just, she. You, they keep cutting back to shots of her and she's apparently trying to hold in laughter as she, <laughs> as he, it's like, oh, Neelix, you're incorrigible, you scamp. <laughs> I, I get the feeling it was like, okay, we're on the other side of the galaxy. Everything is strange and different here. And maybe they're hostile. Maybe, who knows? And, oh, wait. This is what we get? Oh, oh my God. Oh, like, good. A clown I was ready, is here. I, I was ready for, for terror. I was uh -huh. ready for incomprehensibility, and this is what I got. Oh, water, please. <laughs> and the first thing Tuvok says is, maybe you should have a bath. <laughs> get it? Because he smells Cause bad. Because he smells bad, and yeah. he has a penis for a nose. <laughs> I think that's just the actor's nose. Is that really? I think so. That's sad. That's really sad for him. <laughs> Remind me to write him a letter later. No, I'm Dear probably not here. Neelix? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have time to look up your name, but uh, Ethan Phillips is that must one of you must. That sounds like a trick. Yeah. See, when we have an audience here, we we don't have to say someone. Please write in and tell us. We yeah. can just there's somebody here that's going to correct. Yeah, someone here, write in and tell us. Yeah, <laughs> we've probably already gotten like six things wrong, uh -huh. already, but that's okay. Uh, you had a couple other things written down here, though, as far as good things. Uh, let's see. That's uh, Tuvok. Exasperation, Neelix, Vulcan sarcasm. Design on Voyager's not bad either. Yeah, I like the look of the ship. Yeah, they cool. definitely took like the sort of classic look of like a Star Trek ship and... Put a little spin on it. Squished it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I like the nacelles fold up yeah, or that's fold cool. down. I don't know what that's about. Maybe they'll explain it later. They I don't care. But... They definitely put that in. Make sure that the nacelles fold down so we can put that into the toy. <laughs> We'll have I mean, the play. shitty little playmates, like no, no, the the the, the big one that would have been like this big. Oh, right, right, and then they'll go where like your figures, you might be able to fit two of them in. Yeah, there. you could have Janeway right on top of it. You sit on the dish. <laughs> <laughs> what factor ten, Mister Tuvok? We. <laughs> My good thing. Okay, here's the thing. We've been talking for a long. Like we've been doing the show for five years. This is episode two forty something. I don't remember, but we've been doing this for a while. And eight. this is episode eight. Oh, really? Yeah. It feels like more. No. All right. Well, I mean, I count on you to know facts. It's true. So. I don't count on him. The, but the thing is, we had our minds made up about Voyager really early on. Mm -hmm. Back as far as the earliest part of the original series, we're like, oh, God, one day we got to do Voyager. And then people started writing in and saying, you know, if your mind's already made up and if you're just going to hate it, we're not going to listen anymore. And that's a fair point. It's <laughs> like we should really try to give it a chance. And so... As many of you know, I made a dumb little song. I'm keeping an open mind about Voyager. And I tried. I really tried. And with that in mind, I challenged myself to come up with five good things instead of just my normal one. And I found five. So here they are. Uh, the Doctor is already fantastic, mm -hmm. not just because he's funny and he's played by a good actor. It also has to do with how everyone interacts with him. Like, I, I'll say the other guys were funny with him. Yep. 
in particular, there's a scene where they're doing a bunch of exposition in sickbay, and he tries to throw everyone out. Like, no, 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 you can't do that in here. Get out of here. And Janeway just switches him off. Yep. <laughs> no, 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 the, we're doing this. The here. look he gives. Hey! Well, and it, it was kind of a runner to that point that everyone leaves the room without turning him off. Uh-huh. And so when she finally turns him off, it was kind of an insult. And yep. it, was, it was a nice little payoff of that joke. Oh, shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's just, he's kind of snotty and sarcastic and he's he's fun and i look forward to seeing what they do with that character now i will counter that with saying that he is not in this episode very much that's true but again it's a pilot and we have here's 10 characters yep. all at once and here's a bunch of backstory and here's the premise like, yep. they had a lot to and do. i would throw away all of that in favor of the doctor saying more things <laughs> fair enough you, you could have all of Bolana's scenes i'm okay with that you tell me that when we get to the episode where he has a sitcom family which is an episode that exists. His son gets really into Klingon culture. That's a real thing. This is the next two, two years of our lives. Uh, my, my second one. Uh, I've been told by people whose opinions I trust that Harry Kim will become less than likable later on. Right now, I think he's likable enough. He's kind of naive, but he's got some charm. And we've always liked that fresh out of the Academy kind of naive character. Like... We really gave Wesley the benefit of the doubt, and he disappointed us. Well, we he, wanted did, to like he did kill that guy. He did. Never forget, Wesley <laughs> killed a guy. More on that later. Yes. Uh, but no, we we liked it in DS9 when Nog became an ensign. Yeah, that like, was it great. Was, we like the – because usually we start with guys who have been Starfleet for a long time. We follow their adventures. They're, they're kind of seasoned guys. But seeing someone just starting and learning the ropes and all that, it's kind of cool. And he's – like, the actor's pretty good, and the character's got some promise, and... I think he would have been a much better choice for a POV character than, uh... Absolutely. Than Paris. Absolutely. Like, you know, just start with him on in a Quark's bar, and just sort of build everything around him and his little adventures. And well, and you mentioned that Quark was in it, but yeah. we didn't really talk about that scene. There's a bit where Quark naturally sees this guy who's been in Starfleet for all of five minutes. Oh, a Mark! Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Rube, I mean, Ensign. <laughs> Ensign Rube. <laughs> And he proceeds to sell him what? Rocks? Is it rocks? I think it's rocks. I think it might, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a fortune in precious stones. <laughs> I I gotta tell you, I was super disappointed. When that scene rolls around, I kept waiting for Odo to just come up and Quark, are you messing around with this guy from another series? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> and then we just sort of pull back into a DS9 episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then seven more years of that. That uh, would be yeah. fine. No, no, we're done. This is our lives now. Uh, no, but it was a cute scene, and it wasn't all Quark. Like, Harry Kim was pretty good. Yeah, they, they played off of each other pretty well. And the whole Tom Paris being his best friend thing, we really did not exaggerate that. They talked about it for five seconds, and suddenly they were the best Just of friends. It didn't him make by any the sh- sense. Come along, best friend. Let me teach you how we do things in the club we're going to build together. Didn't you just get out of jail? <laughs> Shouldn't I be teaching you what the outside is like? You've been <laughs> in prison. Stay away from me. I'm bad news. But don't stay away from me. I love you. <laughs> we're going to be together forever, Harry. Also, ladies. <laughs> uh, number What's three. What's up, lady? Let me uh, be, oh, oh, I liked have the her. creepiest walk. Wa- Pick up line on you ever. Oh, well, oh, oh no. Her her rebuttal was way worse. Uh-huh. Do you always come at women at Warp 10, Mr. Paris? Oh, the worst. You did a real good job of making me look cool in front of the audience. Oh, no. Uh, my third good thing, I like the concept of Janeway 
Apart from the obvious, apart from we finally get a woman captain after, you know, 30 years, that is good. Mm-hmm. But also, she's a scientist, which we've never had in a captain before. We had Picard, who was sort of a diplomat and into history stuff. We had Cisco, who was more of a builder, like a he, he came from the shipyards, and mm-hmm. he kind of liked to build a community and that kind of thing. But we've never had the scientist who, like, goes down to engineering and gets her hands dirty. That was or, like, really cool, just getting her down into engineering. Well, the engineer's yeah. dead. Let's see if I can fix this. Yeah, and when they're at an unknown place, she's got her tricorder out mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on instead of turning to the science guy. She's yeah. doing it herself. Just ha- cool. so Showing someone who has that interest in all the weird crap that's happening. Yeah, whereas Picard would always be like, you know, Data, what are we dealing with? Get like, over there and tell me what's going on. Yeah, I don't care. I, <laughs> I should really be reading a book or something. <laughs> now say it. Wait. I'm Captain Picard. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm Captain Picard. How are the people going to know who you're doing if you don't say True. I'm Captain Picard? <laughs> Thank you. One applause. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> I'll be signing George Takei's autograph later. <laughs> Keep tripping balls. It's very nice to hear from a fan. <laughs> I will say she's a little lackluster here, but I can yeah, see her is. growing into the role. There's a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and this is very like pretty widely known, maybe not among not big Star Trek nerds, but uh, among Star Trek nerds is definitely known. They started shooting this pilot with somebody else with an actress named Genevieve Bujold. I think it's pronounced. Mm. And there's footage out there of her. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if she's any good, but I think she lasted like a day mm. and then she quit. <laughs> she just couldn't hack it. And what's this techno babble? I'm not reading this. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> No, it wasn't Margaret Dumont. I never. (laughs) Oh, Captain Firefly. (laughs) Get me three stooges to paint the roof of Voyager. (laughs) But um, from what I understand, uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew was just kind of available. Like they needed someone on Friday. Yeah, they needed someone on like on Friday for Monday. And it was already pilot season and a lot of the better people were already taken. And I'm not like I'm not making my mind up about her yet. I really don't have enough information, but. It seems like she was kind of a last-minute grab, and I hope she's better than that. I would we'll see. like to believe that we're going to see some like some real improvement in her because she's great in Dragon Age. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard she's quite good in Orange Is the New Black. I have no idea. <laughs> I saw a couple of scenes with her, and she has a ridiculous Natasha from Rocky and Bullwinkle <laughs> Russian accent, but it's funny. It's not meant to be like terrible. It's must funny. search space for coffee, Mister Chocolate. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> but um, I, the thing that kind of bugged me, like, I like that she's a scientist. Her personal scenes, the scene where she's calling home to her, I don't remember if it was her husband or her uh, It was her dog. Fiance. She was calling her dog. Calling her dog and the human that handles her yeah. dog. Right. Mark. Yeah. Her dog, Mark. <laughs> um, but that scene was not bad. She was pretty good in that and she was pretty good. There's a sort of a personal scene between her and uh, Tuvok that's not bad. Like, yeah. Personal Janeway seems okay. Captain Janeway, I don't really buy yet. She doesn't have that gravitas, that you need presence. To, you really that, need to you know. do that sort of take control of the... She had two moves. Yeah. She'd walk out either like this with her hands on her hips or casual with her hands behind her back. Tell me tell me more, Chakotay. Right. You just like to say Chakotay. In, in that voice, voice it's awesome. <laughs> and I hate to say it. This is my friend, Chakotay. <laughs> <laughs> say hello to the people, Chakotay. <laughs> it just... it. I hate to say it because I really hate to to be like mad and make fun of things people can't help, like their horrible dick noses. But <laughs> but the he voice, knows what he did. But the voice is hard to take seriously, and I hope I get over that. But it really does sound like she just breathed in a little helium, and I it's hard. It's just hard. But you know, I'm I'm willing to to 
to grow into the character. Yeah. Uh, my fourth good thing, I've also been told that Neelix, be- oh, I said this already, uh, Neelix becomes super annoying later, but he's kind of funny right now yeah. in, in the way that he annoys everyone else. That didn't bother me. Nope. Uh, oh, and the other thing was, uh, it's obviously nice to see DS9. It was nice to get a cameo from that Cardassian guy that I apparently was supposed to know who he was, and 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 to see the life that these guys were leaving behind. That, yeah. was, that was pretty cool. I will say Janeway's, um, her goodbye seemed very... I'm not supposed to know that I'm going to be gone for seven years. Well, they played it that way because... I'll see you later. It's It was the standard someone dating or married to yeah. someone in the military. She was going to be gone for three weeks or three months, or I don't remember what it was, but a while. So they're used to being separated yeah. anyway. Keep my puppies warm for me. <laughs> you know puppies don't come out of eggs, right? I have no proof of that. That's fair. At all. Fair enough. I don't know what a puppy is. I find that very hard to believe. It's true. Well, then Sad. What ate all your headsets all those times you couldn't record podcasts? Oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> My web of lies. <laughs> so, yeah, there was, I mean, honestly, there was a lot to like. And yeah. there were a lot of characters that either I liked instantly or because it's a pilot and everything was moving so fast, I thought they had potential mm-hmm. and I was waiting to see where they're going with it. There was really only one character that I did not care for, and yeah. this is my bad thing. We're only one episode into our 160-some episode journey, and I'm pretty sure I hate Tom Paris more than anyone I've ever hated in Star Trek he ever. He is terrible. Even, Just... and I can't believe I'm saying this, even more than Chekhov. Yeah. I hated Chekhov a lot. <laughs> I mean, Chekhov was an idiot, and he sucked pretty much all the time, but... Tom Paris just... He wasn't actively trying to piss me off. (sighs) We went on and on when we covered Next Gen about how impressed we were with Riker. Mm -hmm. With good reason. Because the cocky womanizer is not an easy character to make likable. Like, it's a a stock character, and and if you're a bad actor, you just... It comes off cheesy or creepy. Mm -hmm. But Jonathan Frakes made it work. He made Riker genuinely likable, Mm -hmm. charming, and it's like... Yeah, I'd probably fall for that guy. Yeah. He's he's really charming. <laughs> but I don't think this guy oh, God. is charming enough to pull that off. And so he comes off like a creep. Yeah. He's hitting literally on every woman we see, including the captain. Mm-hmm. And it's just gross. Would you fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> I'd fuck me. It's not that creepy. It's... It's 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 getting there, but it's not quite that. Cut creepy. to season three when he's got like Cass in a hole or something. <laughs> it just it it's again. I I would not have thought of him as the audience POV character, but we we did a little reading, and that's it turns out that's what, what they, they wanted. Want. They they basically we wanted to they they specifically said we wanted to set up a main character or the POV character as not the captain this time. That's fine. So, we yeah, got no, I think that's in, and like you said, I think it would have been great with yeah. Harry Kim, brand new guy, never been in, like never served on a ship before. You yeah, know, and this in. is a new kind of ship. It's yeah. got different stuff going on. There's but... a live crap in the walls, apparently. Uh, so there's a whole thing. There's a whole thing where they're listing all the stuff about the ship, and all I can see is okay. That's going to go wrong in an episode. That's going to go. It's they're just listing off episode That'll concepts. Break. Yeah, that'll break. This will give them. I don't know some kind of poisoning. That'll be good. There's some kind of living gel in the walls, and I guarantee at some point the sh- the ship becomes alive or mm-hmm. something like that. I think it catches the flu. <laughs> Quite possibly. Oh God. God, serious. <laughs> Seriously. There's so many things we exaggerate, and then people say, you know, that happens. Yeah. But tell no, me the... this. Do they go faster than warp 10, turn into lizards, and fuck? 
No, that couldn't not, happen on not, a Star Trek not show. Cana- not canonically. No, of course. No, that actually did happen. No, I know it actually happened. The actual, like... Oh, then they go back in time Star- and change no, it or no, whatever? No, no. Like, the writers on Star Trek were just like, we're not going to talk about that episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's an episode later in the series, apparently, where, where someone's like, no one's ever gone over Warp 10 before. Especially not us, people who have done that. <laughs> That's good. Um, what else was there to like, though? Like, really, let's not just make this super negative. Let's- I liked Cass. Did you? Yeah, I thought I did she too, was kind of cool and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cute. I'll take that. I'm drinking water. Can you? Can you? Pat I like it her. Out a little? I like her little short hair. Uh, uh, she's a little got, '90s. But no, no. Okay. Good. Trust that's me. Fair. It's fine. Well, you hit puberty in the '90s, so that's that probably. That did happen. Yeah. <laughs> got a weakness for that. I think. <laughs> um. See, remember, remember back when we did Next Gen, and like there no. was very like. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Seems like a million years ago. Yeah. No, and like we'd see like the crazy 1988 frizzy hair, and I'd say that's hot, and you'd say, "What are you talking yeah, about?" Here and we I'd are. say, "No, no, I was 14 in 1988. That's hot." Yep. And you'd be like, "Okay, whatever. This, whatever. This is crazy that now person for you." Oh man. <laughs> no, I like her. Um, she does a sort of. She does a pretty good um, grasping of the whole Trek philosophy thing pretty quickly. So like, we yeah. should be working for ourselves and stuff. Preach on, sister. But she didn't come off as as super like preachy. Yeah. She did preach, but it wasn't preachy. And I don't know, like, she moved the plot along. Mm-hmm. She kind of didn't take any of Neelix's crap. They're a couple, but she's like, would, I, you, would you shut up? We're doing something I have here. no and proof like, that they're actually a couple, other than that Neelix keeps saying that. I've, <laughs> I've met dudes like that. Dudes like that are creepy. Yeah. Well, totally know, my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, you and me are dating, you know. What? <laughs> yeah, no, we've been together a long time. Here's your anniversary present. I love you. I, Please stop grabbing me. <laughs> I only lived nine years. I'm not going to waste my time with you. God. No, I I did like her. And the weird thing is talking to people who have watched a lot of Voyager, who like a lot of Voyager, our friend Nate for one, but others, not just you, our friend Tidro also, said, oh, God, I hate Kess. And I just, I was looking for it. Like, why? Why do you? And I, so far, she seems okay. But again, I'm trying not to think about what's going to happen next and just take the pilot in and of itself. And she seems all right. I'm sure eventually she'll get way into honor and like. Start pissing me off. <laughs> but no, for now she seems fine. Yeah, I liked her. Yeah. Um, who else? Who Let's... else is in the cast? Like, we should probably hit on everyone in the cast. We got Balana, who is the exact same tough female character we've had in every Star Trek so far. Season She's... one, Tasha Yar. Season yeah. one, Kira. And now season one, Balana. I like, is, I guess it's a tradition with modern Trek where, like, we need the tough woman who's going to punch you in the face. Who doesn't give a damn what you think. Yeah. <laughs> No, the, and, and it was your joke that you wrote in the summary, but it ended up being in my part that she punched a door repeatedly, but. She had to fight that door because of her Klingon half. Oh. She literally says in the episode, I, I'm sorry, that's my Klingon half acting up. It does that sometimes. Do you, do you know how mixed heritage works? No, she's literally split down the middle. She's like the composite, composite <laughs> super Klingon. Excuse me. Sorry, Matt. My, uh, my Scottish half wants me to go, uh, Put on some bagpipes and play. Uh, <laughs> put on some bagpipes and play a kilt is what I was going to say. I really don't want to see your half kilt. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 
It feels like she'll grow into it. I hope. She was really overplayed, but so was Tasha Yar, and she uh-huh. died before she could become anything, but so did Kira, and she ended up being one of the best characters best character on that on show. The so on the show, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully, yeah. Like, But I am kind of tired of the, you know, I'm so mad! Like, yeah, okay, I get it. Oh, yeah, no, come, it's, it's all good. It's like they want to prove that, that, that female characters can be tough, too, and they're just going a yeah. little too far. I just, and I hate that whole scene with her and uh, uh, Harry in... Um, in the, the X-Files mall. room? Yeah, in the mall. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, listen, Starfleet, I don't have to take this oh, from you. God. It's like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing then. Yeah. This is how we're going to forge our friendship? Yeah. You call me Starfleet, even though you were in Starfleet. And I'll call you Marquis. <laughs> in fairness. that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> in in fairness, they didn't fall in love. That is That would have been one of those, but that one would have been one of those cliches. <laughs> this is my other best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's in the corner just... <laughs> Uh, so who else? There's Tom uh, Paris. And Neil, there's Chicote. Chicote is. Is there anything to say about him other than face tattoo? He is the blandest motherfucker <laughs> that ever blanded. For a not white guy, he sure is a bland white guy. Oh my god! I looked at, and I looked this up. Like that dude apparently had no interest in being on Star Trek. Like that doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's always one. Yeah, just like apparently, just did not want to do it. Why and did he do it then? I, There's I mean, so I many actors. The money's, would... is, the money's good. You got a show that's going to so. go into syndication, probably. Well, I, this was the this was the launch show for UPN, so it was like part of a new network, and it was a big deal. Ah, uh, UPN. So, yeah, <laughs> that that all worked out really well. Yeah, all thanks to Voyager. Home no, to he's home of uh, what uh, SmackDown. Sure, we'll get to that. Oh God, we will, will act- we? We will actively get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch wrestling because that's where I draw the line. You absolutely have to. <laughs> I watched. I watched a clip from that episode the other night. Um, Wait, oh, the one that the Rock is in. The one that the Rock is in. Yeah, you uh-huh. can see Seven of Nine fight the Rock. <laughs> that sounds okay. It's not. I thought you meant I had. Oh. <laughs> he fucking comes out, and he's wearing the tiniest little bit of makeup ever to make him look like an alien. Uh. And they do the fucking camera spins around him like it's like he's actually like it's a big like, reveal. And he does this eyebrow thing. I mean, in in fairness, <laughs> he has become a pretty decent, pretty charming actor. But at that point, I think the eyebrow thing was all he had. No, they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him talk in that episode either. Oh God, he has no lies. <laughs> he's uh, he's a funny guy. He is. Yeah, he's whatever. Talented. He's got natural charisma. You're listening to uh, wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> This is literally everything I know about wrestling. Yeah. That and everyone is dead now. Yep. That's all I know. Oh, God. Uh, okay, so uh, who else do we got? We got a um, bunch of people who we almost got attached to and then immediately died. Yep. I would have liked that that Betazoid that Tom Paris was creeping on. She seemed okay. Yep. Uh, Lieutenant. I would have been uh, fine with another Betazoid in the cast. I think that's a cool... Yeah, and a full Betazoid yeah. and someone who's not a counselor. Yeah, legit psychic. and That would have been all right. You know, uh, not useless for the first five years? Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Quentin Tarantino, we had him. Yup. <laughs> he doesn't need you to tell how fucking good the corn is, okay? See, the thing is, like, I, he, he at that point, he probably could have just played, like, they could, probably could have gotten Quentin Tarantino if he's a Star Trek fan. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'll come in. <laughs> yeah, I'll I don't know, this is right after, like, Pulp Fuck. Fiction, so maybe not. Fucking Voyager's had more cameos than any other Star Trek ever. Has it really? Yup. Wow. Well, speaking of, like, superlative stuff, this was the most expensive episode of Star Trek by a lot. Yeah, that's a thing I have a problem I don't, with, I, like, this, I couldn't tell. The second time we watched it, I looked, and, like, really, where did the money go? Like, yeah. I was trying to look for that. And 
pilots are expensive, but the next most expensive episode of Star Trek was the Enterprise pilot, which came later, had all the costs of a pilot that would, you know, that would normally have, and it cost half as much. Mm -hmm. Where did all the money, like, they went on location to a desert? Well, a desert and a farm. Uh, don't, okay. for, don't forget, you know, you know how much money you got to throw to hoe down. I guess that's true. You know, to to make that wish, they had to have a guy who could play the be the the banjo. The banjo. Did he actually play it though, or did he, he just plucked it? Pluck, yeah, but he didn't play anything. I guess just sitting there. Am I actually complaining that there wasn't like a banjo interlude? What is wrong with me? Bad thing. Needed more banjo. Yeah, more banjo. Banjo. I just like like. There was some okay for 1995 CGI, I guess. It really hasn't aged well. No. There was, again, all the costs that you normally get with a pilot building new sets, yeah, but you, again... I, I gotta tell you, while we're on you know, while we're on the new sets, I like that new bridge. I like the look of the ship. It's fucking big. Yeah. And we've been on that kind of ship once before in yep. DS9, and it, it looked really different, but it yeah. also looked the same, and it was it was a good, you know... I, I also love the bridge. I noticed... Um, everything's clearly labeled like it's the Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody went around with that red label gun yep. and just like, <laughs> now, pe now people will know where things are. <laughs> there was a, I, I, I will say one thing about the bridge design though. Mm. There was a railing kill that really didn't need to happen. <laughs> if no one, if no one heard <laughs> during the episode when that dude slams. I think it was Lieutenant Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> oh my God. Just. <laughs> Well, an explosion might have just slams his head right into this bar like that. It's fucking they, they hilarious. Got that, they got that horseshoe rail on the next on the Enterprise D mm. that kind of comes down at a slope. So if you go forward, you're not smacking your face into it. Voyager does not have it that. It has so. like an actual fence post that he just yeah. planted into. It was not good. Not I don't, for him. I don't think the explosion killed him. I think the rail killed him. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our first railing kill. Maybe we should keep track right. of those. I'll write it down in the ledger. <laughs> write it in your copybook. Uh, what was your bad thing? What was my bad? Well, I already talked about how much I fucking hated Chakotay and his bland acting. I... Honestly, like, if they wanted to do this pilot, they probably should have hired a couple of actors for it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is so flat. You think? Yes. You don't think that was the script? There was so much exposition and I mean, so I little... I definitely think that's a part of it, but like, you know, like, no, you... there, there's a scene where they're talking to the caretaker and like... It's just Janeway and Chakotay, and she's like, we have to get our people back. And Chakotay's like, yes, let's do that. <laughs> but, Together, as best friends. Oh. Okay, so one thing we've pointed out a lot through Next Gen and DS9, my favorite Trek writer, and probably yours too, I don't yep. want to speak for you, nope, you're uh, right. is Ronald D. Moore, who yep. ended up going on to write uh, the new Battlestar Galactica. Mm. And we really like this guy. He wrote some of the best Next Gen episodes, some of the best uh, uh, DS9 episodes. And he's he's a good writer. He's He writes the kind of Trek we like. Yep. And his critique of this was, what is even the point of having the Maquis? Why are they there when there's no conflict? Yep. They just get along instantly. They like, just, she calls over to Chakotay like, hey, do you want to join up? And he's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> That's it. There's no, like, the whole point of being a combined crew is... So that the premise of the show has a little, you know, conflict. Yeah. No, I was, there's I was, none. I was reading on Memory Alpha, and one of the ideas they went, had going is like, okay, we'll bring the Maquis, and we'll have someone to play off of our Starfleet guys. You know, we've got these characters that showed up on TNG. We've been using them on DS9. We're going to have these guys who are sort of like rebels against Starfleet. We'll bring them into the show, and we'll get some conflict. Mm-hmm. So they write the first script and go, okay, well, first of all, we're going to write out that conflict, because we don't want that. Yeah. 
I'm literally like, we don't want these guys fighting all the time, so let's just put them in some Starfleet uniforms. Well, then why don't you just start with a Starfleet crew and get rid of all this that Maquis stuff? This is what I'm stuff? saying, man. Like, there is literally one line where Janeway says we're blowing up the array and going home the long way, and Valana says, no! And then that's it. That is the only conflict between the two crews in the entire 90 minutes, and like, it's like, what is the point? Like, what is it? With, like, Chakotay is just super into Janeway as soon as she shows up. He's just, yeah, whatever you say. Good idea. I don't know that he's into her. Well, I don't mean that, I hope. Yeah. But she, he's definitely like, yeah, no, every, great idea, let's do that. Why am I a rebel again? Yeah. It made it made no sense. And I don't know. It just it it felt like it could have been so much more Con- like that conflict. We yeah. we did a episode this might be this might have been a sarcastic voyage. <laughs> Where we spent an hour trying to fix Voyager. Oh no, this was this show. This was one of our supplemental was episodes. It really? We oh, spent wow. a whole hour saying, "Here's everything we thought was wrong with the show. Here's how we would have made it better." And what we would have ma- what we would have done was change into Battlestar Galactica. But that's <laughs> not really the point. No, um, having that, you know, having like a cr- like half your crew made up of like Maquis people who have no interest in Starfleet, who are actively trying to get away from the Federation. Their whole deal is, I don't want to be in the Federation. I'm going to some planet somewhere to get really mad at Cardassians. Okay, let's be clear. For those of you who are not familiar with the Maquis, let's set up half the characters on this show. This is why we don't like them. The Federation and the Cardassians, who were one of the major uh, alien races, signed a treaty, and some space changed hands, like this part of space now belongs to us instead of you. So these guys had to leave. They had to leave their planets. Now, we have established through 30 years of Star Trek at this point that there are thousands of planets with breathable atmospheres, with water, with, with everything. Yep. We'll move you someplace else. It's fine. There's we'll a pay for it too. veritable Eden. Yep. And they're like, no, we want this planet. That is the entire point of the Maquis is we and, don't want that house. We want this house. And it just spun off into this huge... But they never like, became any more than that. It was always no, just like no. The show treats them like they're more than that, but yeah. they never like they never talk about what their problems are or anything. No, it's always just. But we don't want what you want. We want what we want. My house is already here. We'll replicate you a new house. We have replicators. We can yeah. make whatever the fuck you want. Literally limitless resources. I don't want that. I live here. Ugh, just the worst. And but that's I, I built a well out back. <laughs> I grew some corn. Everyone loves corn. <laughs> oh, man. Do I know the place for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 70,000 light years from home. Corn and sugar cookies. And I'm just thinking, the writers must be thinking, this is going to blow their minds. We've gone across the galaxy and it's a farm. The fans are going to freak. No, we've seen this so many times. I've, it's not. I've been to farms. I didn't like them then either. No. <laughs> they smell bad. They're uncomfortable. There's sheep crap everywhere. I, there were no, there was no evidence of sheep, to be fair. No, there was that one dog, but that's it. Yeah. There was a dog. Were there horses? I missed that. Ah, well. All right, so all right, two then. horses, a dog, no sheep. Yeah, as far as we know. <laughs> I'm glad we got that settled. Yeah. <laughs> Write it down. See, having live corrections is so much better. Mm-hmm. No, I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, it just... The, the, I was reading... They wanted to do a very different show from Next Gen and from DS9, and the big thing they wanted to do was focus on action-adventure. Mm. And I mentioned this in my summary when I rolled my eyes at action-adventure, because over and over again you see them talking about, that's what we wanted to emphasize. And there was no point where action-adventure was happening on the screen, and I was like, ooh, no. what's going to happen next? It was all like, can we get to something interesting, please? Please, anything. And it was just not engaging action-adventure at all. It was just... 
pew pew and then pew, exposition pew, and, and then uh, more pew pew. Climb this staircase some more. Oh That's my exciting, god! Right. How much time do you think was dedicated to climbing a staircase? I mean, I haven't seen that much st- uh, staircase climbing since I watched Ghostbusters. Where do those stairs go? They go up. Oh, that's fair. I just keep waiting for Jane when to go, let me know when we get to the 50th floor. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I think I covered just about everything I wanted to cover. Yeah, what I about think you? that's every, all the main cast. The, the big thing is just that it was boring that we kept looking at what time it was and we kept waiting f- to be engaged yeah, in some please, way dude, and this is star trek i want to like star trek yeah we always love... i want to like star trek they got a spaceship and laser guns and a magic machine that makes anything you want and oh god tom paris fighting about soup i and like he was so mad no i just want to make what what the fuck is wrong with you and the, the, the concept is awesome i love the idea of them sending a ship like way Oh, that's a great there, idea. Yeah. There is nothing that, like, we have left behind everything that you're familiar with in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. It's us, a what, ship. What we have on the ship is all we have. Yeah. This one Vulcan is all Vulcans now because yes. we're not going to meet anymore. We're out there in the middle of nowhere and we have no way of getting home and we have no connect. We can't, you know, call for help or anything. Yeah, if somebody blows a nacelle off our ship, that's it. It's yeah, gone. It's we no, can't we, fix it. Well, that's it for that nacelle then. There's no starbase to go back to to Just get help. slap some glue on there or something, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, but the very first thing they run into is a farm on Earth. Yeah. Like, the whole thing, they should have really emphasized the alienness of it. How far they were from home, how different everything was. I think, like, Metroid Caretaker was a really good start. I, I'm always as, a fan of non-humanoid Yeah, aliens. as something that's completely like, what the hell is that? But it was just a blob of CGI. Yeah. It wasn't that good of an effect. It's, but... like, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that over, you that's know, fair. another human with bumps on his head. Oh, okay, let's talk about the, as you called them, Oompa Loompas, the Kazon. Rasta yeah. Klingons. My God. That's our big bad guy for, yeah. I think, a couple of years at least. I think. I'm not sure. I think and when they get out of that region, then it's somebody else. Just but, being mad at each other. But they look like Klingons everybody. with just, like, terrible, like, dreadlocks. and Oh, it's just the worst. And, like, just... They're not... Well, uh, you made the joke that uh, he said, you have made an enemy today. And you said, who? <laughs> Which got a big laugh the first time, believe it or not. Yeah. Is it you guys? <laughs> yeah, like, wh- who is this? It's not you, right? You've made a I mean... enemy of the entire Kazon people. Okay. All right. <laughs> Noted. Sorry. Is, is Neelix mad at us, too? Cause... He's like, yes. <laughs> I just, I wasn't, like, everything looks the same, and I can't really complain about what comes next, because we haven't gotten there yet. No, but... there'll be time to complain about that later. Yeah. But so far, there's nothing different about this that sets it apart from anything else. Yeah, I don't, like, it's not a great direction for a pilot. You know? No, but pilots are rough sometimes. It's true. The next-gen pilot was kind of not great. Nope. Even the DS9 pilot was a little rough compared to what the show turned into. I actually, this felt very, very early TNG to me. Really, it felt late TNG to me with see, all the said, padding and all the... You said that to me, and I can see that, but, like, it was very... um just sort of, you had that wooden acting and like the weird synthy music. That that's and just pilots, of, though. And like, a lot of people going like, "Well, let me tell you about this." Uh, so much exposition, and they explained how the ship worked in like great detail. Yep. And, like, how many times did Tom Paris mention his dad, his <laughs> admiral he, dad that he's got he's daddy issues? Have daddy with? issues about that later no, in the series. No, that never might come, come up, up again. again. No, all right, never come up again. Not important. Just yeah. So overall. 
I would like to think there's potential. Unfortunately, I've seen ahead, and I don't think there is, but we'll see. It's, yeah. I, God, I hope this is bad. I don't want this to be bad. No, I don't want to not like it. I want to, I want to watch Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, I want to, I want to enjoy it. But, yeah. You know, there you go. Oh, one more thing about Tom Paris. Mm, and please. We'll, we'll come to my quote here. Um, he's super racist, it turns oh, out. Oh, God, right? <laughs> if you could, please, please hit my quote. Isn't there some Indian trick where you can turn yourself into a bird and fly us out of here? That's actually a thing from the episode. We Turn didn't make that up. Turn yourself into a bird. <sighs> wow. Everyone, in, like, there was a gasp in here. Like, did he really say, this was 1995, right? Yeah. Like, ni- like 1935 or something? I, no. wow. It's only 20 years ago. And he's, uh, wow. I- I'm so, like, I don't normally get up to the whole Gene's ideal future, but. Seriously? Yeah, you you would think. I mean, there's a lot of that stupid Star Trek species profiling. Well, all Vulcans are like this. Well, all Ferengi are like this, which is stupid. But you'd think humans among themselves would have at least gotten over that. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was not good. And again, our audience identification character. Can't you just turn into a bird? You're an Indian. <coughs> wow. You know, put some war paint on there or something. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Just just awful. I, oh. Well, you, you had... An odd choice for a quote, I would say. Indeed I did. What is what is this? Uh, I don't think it needs any setup. Very well. Does the caretaker provide your meals, too? In fact, he does. He designed and built this entire city for us after the warming. The food processors dispense nutritional supplements every 4.1 intervals. <laughs> it may not offer the exotic taste some of our younger people crave these days, but it meets our needs. The exotic taste our young people crave. It's like a fucking Mountain Dew ad. <laughs> no, it was we more like a... We don't get extreme here, yeah, Compa, but... It, it felt a little more like a, some kind of 90s, like, you know, uh, Gogurt isn't as extreme as some of our... You know, or, I don't know, you're a fucking 90s kid. What are they... <laughs> this isn't your dad's replicated brown dirt crap. Cast oh. <laughs> snowboarding down a hill. Woo! <laughs> Rock out! It. The thing is, and this isn't... An inherently Voyager problem. It's a bigger problem of the 90s were terrible. <laughs> we and can't really help with we're that. We're going into a lot of the, it's very the 90s. Yep. And some of that'll be okay because we'll get, uh, we'll get appearances by up and coming stars, uh, Sarah Silverman, wrestlers, uh, science, Seinfeld alumni. Oh, right. Seth George Costanza. McFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. No, 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 no. That's, uh, is that Enterprise. Enterprise? That okay. is Enterprise. Yes. But we'll get some people who, uh, oh, it's the 90s. This guy's here. Yep. That's cool. But on the other hand, we got Cass Hare and, uh. I mean, I like Cass Hare, but. Well, the cheese stands alone there. <laughs> and get the cheese to sick bay. <laughs> I'm told that's a thing. I don't know yet. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Any, any. Here's, fingers crossed for better stuff. Right? No. Right? No, this is our lives, Matt. I don't know what we did to earn this, but, but this is the next two years of our life. This is why we made that vow in our parents' graves. Yeah. We will review every episode of Star Trek. My parents are not happy about that, no, by I the know. way. <laughs> My parents are divorced. Like, they're really pissed off about the whole shared grave thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, to end this on a high note, <laughs> I believe that's it. And we traditionally sign every show off with Matt's catchphrase. Oh, God. <laughs> See you. See ya, folks. Folks, damn Fuck. it!
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this...